You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. I'm your host, Bill Real. This podcast dives into faith development, cognitive development, biblical scholarship, and does so using the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. Hold on to your seats. This is going to be a fun ride. These episodes will be short, but they are going to dive into the Jesus story in ways that you have never done before. So thank you for joining us. You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, Taking the Christ of Faith Seriously. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by So here in episode four we, we want to tackle uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 9, and start from there. And, and finally, right, finally Jesus comes on the scene. Finally he's here. Finally we're about to dive into the Messiah himself. And so starting in verse 9, specifically 9 through 11, it says, One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. And John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Now, I need to dive into the scholarship for just a second because it sets up this story really well. So Mark is the earliest gospel. Mark is written, again, I don't know the date specifically, but let's assume it's 50 AD. And then um, Matthew and Luke come after, this again, based on the best scholarship, Matthew and Luke come after sometime around, say, 65 to 75 AD. And then John is the last of the four Gospels, and he comes in around 90 to 110 AD. I think it's important to note that scholarship and different... uh, areas of study, as they tackle these four Gospels, there's a recognition that Mark is being more vulnerable about the relationship that John the Baptist has with Jesus and what is going on there, and that the further away we get, so Matthew and Luke are less vulnerable, and they they feel a need to paint Jesus as being more an authority, and they need to find uh, literary mechanisms, literary ways in which to diminish the authority of John the Baptist. And so you'll see certain things happen. And I'll just point out one of them because I think it's important here to the story. And that is that when Jesus is baptized by John here, He comes out of the water and is proclaiming a personal experience. However Mark got his information, we don't know, right? Assuming the story is literal, which again, we can, as we go through the scriptures, you'll find that I don't necessarily hold that, although that ground isn't necessarily important to me. It's not the most interesting part of these conversations is whether something literally happened or didn't. 
But in this instance, notice that Mark paints Jesus as having a very personal experience. That when he comes out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart. And he saw the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you. And when it says you, that means that Jesus is recognizing through the author of Mark that I'm the one hearing something. It's Jesus who's hearing the voice. You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Mark makes this experience entirely personal to Jesus. This experience is something Jesus saw. This is something he heard. This is something he experienced. And you'll notice that when you get to later authors, Matthew, Luke, and John, you'll see that they don't, they don't like the way this is set up. And there's a reason. Because if Jesus is having an entirely personal experience, you can excuse it away. Like there are no witnesses to this experience. And so Matthew, Luke, and John take this out of being in the first person of Jesus, and they put it in the second and third person in terms of what the crowd saw and what the crowd heard. And this mechanism uh, lends more weight and authority to Jesus and his communication from God. But I want to, like, let's step back here to this original, the the first of the four Gospels. I want to be careful not use the word original there, only because we have multiple copies of these early Gospels, and they're not uniform And so there are differences found from one copy of Matthew, for instance, from one location versus another early transcript of Matthew from another geographic location. So I want to be careful that I never convey that these Gospels are uniform, even within themselves, because they're not. But if we go back to the earliest Gospel, Mark, and recognize that he's the closest to the event, although way late, He's the closest to the event out of the gospel writers, and that Matthew and Luke borrow heavily from Mark, although almost assuredly disconnected from each other. I want to note that that Jesus here has a personal experience. Recognize how this experience is seen through the eyes of Jesus, with no mention of how those in attendance perceived this experience. This was a personal experience for Jesus. Only through later gospel writers does this become an outward evidence of Christ's divinity and acceptance by God. Instead, it is a personal experience. And the same applies to us. Like within Christianity, we're always bearing testimony to others as as if what we have seen and experienced and the way in which we've interpreted it should be accepted across the board as the way things are. But this life's journey is personal. We each have had experiences and we each should have the freedom to interpret those experiences for ourselves. Nobody should take the experiences that are just human beings having human, having human experiences and then redefine those under some religious dogma or religious theology. And that happens. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of that as we go through the life of Christ. But I think each of us has a right 
to define and interpret these experiences for ourselves rather than have these lenses that are compelled upon us, that are imposed upon us in order to see life through. Yet, just like the gospel writers, there is pressure from outside. There's pressure from our religious institution that we're raised in. There's pressure from our parents. There's pressure from our friends. Again, to do such is only human. And so there is pressure from the outside to frame these experiences a certain way. We are taught what these things should mean and how we should testify of them to others. We must keep in mind the earliest writing of this experience honored that this experience was to and for Jesus. And the the way the writing of the story occurs, you see the freedom in Jesus to see those experiences for himself and to name them himself. And we should honor the light that is whispering to us our right to value and interpret those experiences within ourselves and even to have the freedom to revisit those experiences throughout our lives and reevaluate those experiences as our spiritual lens changes and develops. And, and I want to give an example here. In, in some religions, in some dogmas, and in some theologies, there is a conversation being had about if you go out and you witness of Jesus, that as you step out into opening your mouth, you step out into that, that darkness, that nervousness, that hesitation, and begin to open your mouth and testify and witness of Christ and his gospel. As you do that, a testimony will come into your heart and mind. Now that mechanism is a lens which is imposed on many throughout Christianity. The the reality is that there are mechanisms that just naturally exist, and one such mechanism is called the reiteration effect. And, And in essence, what the reiteration effect is, it's this idea that if I begin saying things and repeating them, even if I didn't originally hold that ground or believe them, my brain will naturally begin to give weight to that new belief and I will become more prone and more likely and hold that belief stronger than if I wasn't repeating it and stating it out loud. And, and so religion has come in, and it could be any religion. It could be, it could be the Baptist faith. It could be the Methodist faith. It could be the Seventh-day Adventist faith. These faiths come in and they impose a lens on you and say, look, you're going to have experience ABC. And ABC, you have to understand, ABC means XYZ. And, and here's how you can understand that. Here's how you can see that. Here's how we interpret this scripture. Here's how we um, reconcile this theology. And all these answers are given to you. But at its heart, like, do we have the freedom to interpret these experiences, to define these events for ourselves? And Jesus, through the author of Mark, seems to fully and wholly honor that ground for himself in that moment. Like, this is my story, and this is my experience, and here's what I saw, and here's what I heard. And here's what it means. And I simply want to reserve the right 
for each and every listener of this podcast to go back into scripture, to go back and evaluate your life experiences, and maybe for the first time, some of you are already on this journey and you see it, but I want to reserve the right for some of you for the first time to feel empowered to now name these things yourself, to define them yourself, to interpret them for yourself, and maybe even reinterpret them for the first time yourself. I've, I've had lots of experiences in my life, ones that I put deep spiritual weight on, experiences that I don't have good ways to explain. And again, as we go through these episodes, I'm happy to begin sharing some of those with you. But I had experiences, and those experiences were seen through the religious lens of the religious faith that I was raised in. And when those experiences happened, I I had these lenses imposed on me on how those were to be defined. As my life shifted, as I became aware and was able to take the perspective of those who were very different than me, I at that point realized that religious people have religious experiences and that Catholics have Catholic miracles and Catholic spiritual experiences and that Muslims have Muslim miracles and Muslim spiritual experiences, that Mormons have Mormon miracles and Mormon spiritual experiences, that Baptists have Baptist miracles and Baptist spiritual experiences. And once, once I saw that in the validity of a spiritual experience, but also granting that they receive their spiritual experiences through their lens, and their spiritual experience is just as true to them as the spiritual experience I had through my lens. For the first time in my life, when I sensed that, I felt empowered in taking my lens off, setting it off to the side, like like an old pair of glasses, and doing several things. One is trying to look at my experiences through the other lenses that are available, but also perhaps to take all those religious lenses off, set them off to the side, and look at these experiences with my own eyes for the very first time. And so I've gone back in time, in my memory, in my mind, and reevaluated those experiences and asked myself, do those experiences, do they still deserve to be interpreted the way that I've interpreted them? Or, or should I now see these things as something different? And in most instances, that's the case. I now see them as something different. And some of them still have this lens. This, that, like, like the events happened in such a way that they still are deeply tied in knots with the religious theology, dogma, and lens that I was raised in. And so some of the stuff I'm still wrestling with, but now I know that I can go back at any time. With, with permission from that authority within me to reevaluate these experiences and to constantly keep thinking them through and what do they mean and what do they stand for. And so I hope today you get that, that you feel empowered. And, and first you have to recognize that these experiences you have had have been seen through lenses. Maybe one, maybe 10, maybe a hundred different lenses that have been imposed on you. 
and that you begin to feel the freedom like Jesus to say, this is my experience. This is what I saw. This is what I heard. And nobody else gets to tell me what this means. I get to decide for myself. Thank you for listening. This has been the Mythical Jesus Podcast. Until next time. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer, here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of god he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood